What does motion sound like? With Kizikans free shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom socks. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at HM.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. Not only have I been the owner of Mint Mobile for the last few years, I've also been a customer. I don't know if you knew this, but anyone can get the same premium wireless for $15 a month plan that I've been enjoying. It's not just for celebrities, so do like I did and have one of your assistant's assistants switch you to Mint Mobile today. I'm told it's super easy to do at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds, owner of Mint Mobile, with a message for everyone paying big wireless way too much. Please, for the love of everything good in this world, stop. With Mint, you can get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Of course, if you enjoy overpaying, no judgments, but that's weird. Okay, one judgment. Anyway, give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. New activation and upfront payment for three-month plan required. Taxes and fees extra. Additional restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com for full terms. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at H&M.com. Tis the season to shine with H&M. Discover the holiday collection and find fashionable pieces for your wardrobe or for under the tree. Get inspired and dazzle with this year's glam. From tuxedo styles, bow detailed pieces, impressive prints, and more. From unforgettable looks to unforgettable gifts. With fashion finds to home decor, find it all at H&M. Treat your loved ones and yourself this season. Shop in-store or at H&M.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Selling a little or a lot? Do your thing however you cha-ching with Shopify, the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash offer 23. I just started realizing I'm strong, but I'll tell you, it's, it's not just the kettlebell. It's the fact that I allowed this person to help me, you know, allowing that first person to say, can I help you? And accepting that help is what I really believed unlocked so much of the success I've had over the past 10 years. Hey 
girl. Imagine a life where you feel supported, connected, and understood. I get it. Being a mom is hard, especially when you're spinning so many plates. We exhaust ourselves trying to create the perfect life for our family. You deserve to enjoy your family without the stress perfectionism brings. On this podcast, I provide practical and relatable life experiences. I teach women quick and easy to use strategies to help them reclaim their identity, reignite their marriage, and enjoy their children. If you're ready to be challenged, then pull up a chair, grab pen and paper, because it's about to go down. I'm Veronica Cisneros, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and this is the Empowered and Unapologetic Podcast. Hey ladies, welcome to the Empowered and Unapologetic Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Cisneros. Today's guest is a virtual kettlebell specialist and entrepreneur that specializes in helping women overcome limiting beliefs by mastering kettlebells. Yeah, you heard me right. Kettlebells. An eating disorder survivor, two-time Guinness World Record holder. Yep, she's totally a badass for heaviest lift or heaviest weight lifted via Turkish getup and most recently a published author for her new book Kettlebell Catalyst. Colleen is the person you go to when you need to start believing in the phrase yes I can. Ladies, please help me by welcoming Colleen Conlow. Hey, Colleen. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. So I'm super excited to just dive into this. You mentioned kettlebells, um, eating disorder survivor. So can you take me through when this all started? Absolutely. So when I was in the sixth grade, my best friend pulled me aside one day and she said, Colleen, everyone would like you so much better if you were skinnier. And then she brought me into the bathroom to teach me how to make myself grow up with a toothbrush. And I struggled with an eating disorder from the sixth grade up into my early 20s. Oh my God. How holy crap. Did yeah. you have a conversation with your mom afterwards about it? Did you no. tell anybody? No, I didn't tell anybody. I mean, she, my my best friend Anna, she knew what was going on. And I remember a short while after that initial moment where she took me into the bathroom, I, she, she didn't want to be friends anymore. So I started thinking I need to keep, I need to really go hard at this so that I don't lose her as my friend. Yeah. Um, so I ended up struggling with, with bulimia and over-exercising and really limiting myself to what I could eat. And when I could eat it for a very long time, I would wake up before school I'd wake up around 4 30 AM to yeah. exercise and burn at least a thousand calories on a piece of cardio equipment. So I felt like I could eat. Oh for my the God. And the days where I couldn't, you know, I couldn't contain myself to, to that. Cause you're I starving. Urge and yeah. that pretty much the story of my life for a really long time. Um, I would cut classes to do crunches in the bathroom and it just went on for years. Eventually, I remember when I turned 17, this is a little bit of a pivot, but I turned 17 and I was rushed to the hospital and I ended up having three of my four abdominal surgeries within a month and a half of each other. Holy moly. And 
it took me about three months before I could sit up and walk on my own again. And I didn't have any type of physical therapy afterwards. And I remember like 17 year old me was like, oh my gosh, this is so terrible because I can't work out. Yeah. Yeah. And let alone the issues that ended up coming after all of those procedures without having any type of physical therapy was way worse than not being able to exercise for, for a period of time. But, um, I remember when I could start to exercise again, it was, it was really confusing because I didn't have any sensation in my lower abdominals for about eight years. Wow. And you know, I was the crunch queen. Like yeah. I was class to do crunches in the bathroom. And when I was trying to do crunches again, I didn't feel my abs. I felt my low back and I felt my neck and I started to feel like I was broken mm-hmm. and weak. Yep. And eventually I went away to college. I went to school for musical theater. Yeah. And being in a musical theater program in Manhattan is a very rigorous place to be and so competitive so competitive and everybody's comparing themselves and you always want to have a leg up on somebody else right so in my head my leg up was well I'm going to be small I'm going to you know look like that ideal ingenue so that nobody can you know no nobody can take that away from me yeah and it was a really sad period of time when I look back on it. I mean, I was so focused on being small, restricting myself, thinking that it was going to put me ahead and get other people to like me or see me in a way that they would give me a role. And in return, it just, it it made me hate myself. It made me wake up every day and say like, here's another day where we have to count another day. We have to restrict another day. We have to work out so that we can burn enough so that we can stay in this small body. And it was, it it just felt like I was surviving in this, in this life. And eventually I realized I didn't want to be in the musical theater industry anymore. And as I was trying to figure out, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this degree? I now have, I, got a part-time job in the fitness industry and that ended up turning into a career in the fitness industry. And I initially got started teaching group fitness classes and then I started doing personal training and I was realizing that like, I don't know that this is what I want to be doing. And I decided I was going to take my, take, take myself into an interview to manage a kettlebell studio and I go into the interview and I totally BS my way into, into getting this position, which I know if you're not familiar with kettlebells, it's like, okay, well, like anybody can use them. Like, how are they any different than dumbbells? It's a totally different world. Yeah. A totally different world. And I got started, I was managing and teaching a couple of classes. And this one trainer came up to me one day and he was like, Colleen, we all know you have no idea what you're doing. So <laughs> you're like, here we go. Another motivational speech. Yeah. <laughs> Another person so, telling me I'm not enough. He was like, I would love to teach you so that I know you're not hurting anyone. And for some reason, I was like, okay, I'll let him teach me. Yeah. And in learning how to use the kettlebells, like it's it's very technical, which is not something that you necessarily recognize in yeah. watching somebody use them. But the amount of 
breath control and tension that it takes to be able to perform these exercises is a lot more intricate than what meets the eye. And I remember the first day this trainer was trying to teach me how to swing a kettlebell. I looked, I looked like a wild woman, yeah, like on a fucking horse throwing oh, the kettlebell. That's totally down. me right now. That's totally me right now. Mm-hmm. Which is fine because it's one of those <laughs> things like nobody, like you don't know unless you go and you learn the skill. Yeah. And in working with him, I started getting really good at these skills and it was taking time and I was getting super frustrated with like how certain things just did not click. But when things eventually did click, it made me realize, wow, I'm really strong. I'm really capable. I just, I put these pieces together. Like I couldn't do this a couple of months ago and look at where I'm at now. And it started to make me realize that I, I don't give myself enough credit. Yeah. And it was so, it was so incredible to see how this bell started to make me believe in myself. And I remember the first time I like really started believing in myself was when this same trainer, we, we got through with one of our, our sessions and he was like, go try doing a pull-up. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was never one of those people. I could, I could barely do a push-up, couldn't do a pull-up. I was, you know, living, living the, the cardio queen path with yeah. a side of crunches, but there was no strength training in my background. And I get up on the bar and I could do a pull-up and I felt like the most powerful version of myself. And that's really when I started realizing that I have so much more than I've, I've realized up until this point. And I started playing more with the kettlebells. And I remember going to a progressive calisthenic workshop and it was a certification with me. There was one other woman and like 20 men and they're all super strong. And I go into this workshop and I'm like, I can barely do any of these skills. They're doing like handstand push-ups and single arm push-ups. And I'm just like, why did I sign up for something like this? Like, I, I, I can't do anything here. Yeah. And we start working on this skill. It's called a human flag. So a human flag, I want you to imagine somebody's hanging from a pull-up bar. Mm-hmm. So you're hanging vertically, right? Yeah. A human flag is when you're hanging from a bar horizontally. Oh yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> oh, I thought the same thing. I'm out. <laughs> I thought the same thing. And over the course of this weekend, I was actually able to get up into that position. And again, I'm just thinking to myself, like, well, how, like, how am I doing this right now? How do I have all of these magical superpowers? <laughs> yeah. And it kept coming back to the kettlebell. You know, that's the only thing that I was doing differently. And my training really wasn't that rigorous. I was just spending, you know, two or three days a week, you know, carrying them around the way I would carry my groceries, swinging them, pressing them up above my head. Like nothing, nothing, nothing that looks like a TikTok challenge. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All like really simple things. And, um, I just started realizing I'm strong, but I'll tell you, it's, it's not just the kettlebell. It's the fact that I allowed this person to help me. You know, allowing that first person to say, can I help you? And accepting that help is what I really believed unlocked so much of the success I've had over the past 10 years. And had you, where were you at with your eating disorder during that time that this individual had, you know, 
offered you help? I was definitely in a better place. Um, I would say I, I really struggled with bulimia in even after the surgery, high school. Yeah. After the surgery, it was a little bit more, I mean, after you have all those procedures, there's only so much you can eat in the first place. Like you're so puffy. You don't feel good. Was the procedure because of the eating disorder? No. Oh, it was just some other health. No, a totally separate health issue, um, which might end up coming up. But after, after all of that happened, I started restricting my food. I was still restricting my food, but the bulimia kind of started to subside because I was getting ready to go to college and going to school for musical theater. If you're throwing up constantly and trying to sing, it's, it's a very challenging thing to do. Um, But I remember beginning of college, me and my roommate, she also had an eating disorder and we started playing with laxatives. And that was, that was a whole, a whole different type of a mess. Well, Um, in so many ways, Colleen, like just kind of hearing your story right now, you were conditioned to believe that you had to look a certain way and you're losing your friend. You know, I'm not sure what the household looks like, you know, where mom and dad are at um, and what your relationship with them looks like. But if you are solely focused on trying to meet this criteria to be, in, you know, to be in this group, to fit in, yeah, you can do everything you, you need to. And, you know, I'm coming up with, you know, you're in sixth grade. Gosh, you know, my daughter's in sixth grade. She's 12 years old. You know, she literally just turned 12. She turned 12 a couple of weeks last week, you know. And so you're you're extremely impressionable. You're not talking to mom. You're not talking about to dad about this. You're not talking to anybody about this. And so I'm wondering... Where did that come from? Like that strong desire to fit in. And when we're that young, this being that one group to gain some form of acceptance and love and doing everything in your power to receive it, everything in your power to receive it, because maybe it wasn't given in other areas. So yes, that perfectionism is going to kick up really quickly. Um, you know, I'm like kind of listening to you and imagining you, you know, this little girl, you know, going to the bathroom and like having this level of excitement and also like resentment with going to the bathroom because you get to go ahead and do those, those crunches. And yes, I finally get to do them. And then at the same time, it's like, holy shit, I have to go do them, you know, and I can't listen to what's happening in class. I can't, you know, I'm going to have to quickly do them run back to class, try to catch up. But it's this constant, constant feeling of catching up. What was it? Because I think about even some of the clients that I work with today, that would have sent them over. That would have, you know, they would have gone into this place of passive suicidal thoughts, self-harm, you know, um, again, suffering silently. So nobody to kind of nurture you or guide you, how, how did you survive that? Like, what was your, what was it that was, that kept you going? And I, I, I did read, you know, in your bio, maybe why there was the surgeries, um, maybe, um, 
So if you're open to talking about that, we, we can talk about that too. But it's just, I'm seeing this young girl, 11, 12 years old, you know, back and forth, waking up early before anybody, working out, doing all of the things to fit in and still not feeling as if you belong and not feeling worthy. Yeah. I mean, so I moved 13 times before I went away to college. Holy moly. Yeah. So I, I was always trying to fit in and I was always the new girl and, you know, it was not easy. No. Um, it was not easy the older I got, like, especially after this incident in the, in the sixth grade, after the sixth grade, I moved to one, two, three, four additional schools. Why'd you move so much? Was your parents in the military? My parents job. No, no. Um, but so just they were very busy and career shifts for, for my dad specifically, my dad's in that, the medical field, but, um, you know, up into the sixth grade, actually I was really good at making friends and I did a really good job at fitting in. But I remember I had this one, I had this one teacher and she, she made the transition before I went into the sixth grade, really challenging. My teacher thought I was a witch, like abracadabra. Really? Yeah. Because I had such an easy time connecting with kids and starting friendships that she was like, Oh my gosh. Like you're like casting spells on everybody. Yeah. No, it got so bad that the school literally had me miss class every Thursday for three months to be psychoanalyzed by the school psychologist. What? Yeah. So I'm like, where is she at? I'm a kicker ass. Yeah. Um, she ended up retiring and I missed out oh. on the fundamental principles of reading comprehension. And that will come up later in my story. Oh my God. Who was so the, when you, who was so when the you advocate about, for you? Who like, who's advocating for you? So you're being. My parents, my parents did fight with the school, but I lived in a really small town. There wasn't another place to send me. And my parents weren't just going to move because of this one incident. So. Or homeschool you. No, that was never an option in in my family growing up. But yeah, when you talk about like this girl playing catch up and just trying to fit in, there was so many moves and there were times where I literally felt behind. And I'll tell you, so I spent most of my life growing up in very small towns throughout New England. And the school systems are very different from the school systems that I talk about with other people at this yeah. point in my life. So my husband grew up in New York, um, right outside of Manhattan, and he went through the public school system. Yeah. And when I tell him about some of the things that I had to do growing up, he's like, where did you go to school? This makes no sense. Remember in the kindergarten, in kindergarten, we talked about, um, like they, they teach kids inventive spelling. So you spell a word how it sounds and mm-hmm. however the child decides to spell the word. Oh, that's awesome. Word. That's awesome. Yeah. Holy so shit. By the time I went to other schools where it's like, okay, now we need to diagram the sentence. I have no idea what anyone's talking about just oh. because um, different schools, you know, they get to, they get to. Yeah. Different curriculums. Yeah. And especially during that younger time, I moved, 
I moved going into kindergarten, going into the third grade, going into middle school, multiple times within middle school were moves. And there's just (sighs) curriculums are not always on the same page. So there would just be things that I would miss at one school because they did it the next year, but at the other school, they did it this current year that I wasn't there. So it was a lot, it, there was a lot of times where I felt like I had to play catch up and I needed to be good enough. And, um, it, it came out through, through an eating disorder, but you know, in terms of my, in terms of my parents, I think they really did everything they possibly could to, they could to help without saying anything. So I ended up I ended up finding out that both of my parents struggled with eating disorders mm-hmm. growing up as well. Yep. My dad struggled with bulimia, my mom struggled struggled with anorexia. Yeah. And I remember we ended up getting into like a, a big argument about a year ago. And I was like, did you guys ever know that I had an eating disorder? Yeah. And you know what they said to me? They said, Yeah, of course we know. And I was like, what the fuck? Why didn't mm-hmm. you like, why didn't yeah. you do more? Yeah. Why didn't you save me? Why didn't you help me? And it's, it's terrible in the sense that there was a lot of suffering that I, I did have to go through on my own. However, the way I see it is if I didn't, I wouldn't be the woman I am today. And yeah. I really do love the woman I am today. I get that. I, I totally get that. I'm thankful that you shared that. I think it's so important for all of us to hear this because, like I said, you are a complete badass. You are. And with every badass woman, there's definitely a very strong story that not a lot of people talk about. And although you are definitely definitely highlighted for where you're at today, I think it is so important to really peel back the onion and see like, no, I was, I was, I was doing this crazy hard work shit when I was like 11 years old, right? Like I, I, I was trying to figure my life out and trying to, you know, trying to survive the best way I knew how. And with your parents, you know, I, I used to hate the phrase, you know, parents are doing the best they can. I hated that phrase because I was like, that's bullshit. And I hated that phrase because it's like, wait a minute. So that totally excuses my dad for being a heroin addict and, a you know, an alcoholic and a gang member. Like, no, that's bullshit. No, he needs to do better, right? And when I became a therapist and I was in a dual diagnosis group, which is eating disorders, all addictions, eating disorders, drug addiction, alcoholism, everything, right? Um, I'm in that group. And I'm hearing, you know, the patients share their stories and where they're at. And, you know, I can't tell you how many patients I had heard, I had had like literally heard them say, if I do not get my shit together, I'm going to lose my kids. Like my kids aren't even with me. I'm going to lose them. And there was so much desperation and so much pain, so much pain, you know, and they felt so defeated by the drug. They felt so defeated by their addiction. And it's like, oh, my God, I am so thankful that I got to witness this experience because, for one, it definitely humbled me. 
absolutely humbled me. But in addition to that, it's like, you know, it kind of goes back to that saying, hurt people, hurt people. It's not something that they're doing intentionally, you know, even with your parents, like this is, this is what they've known and they identified with it, you know, and for them, it's like, oh, she figured it out. She figured it out on her own, you know, and we, as crazy as this might sound, a lot of parents, I have heard them say, you know what? Well, I just did things to help her. So I introduced her to laxatives or, you know, um, whenever I wouldn't, you know, she had her binging ceremony, you know, I would be the first one to go ahead and take her to Taco Bell, McDonald's, in and out all of the places. And I just allowed her to have her peace. Anybody listening to that, even the listeners listening to that might go, what the fuck? Again, when you don't know, you don't know. You don't know how, you don't have coping skills to go ahead and intercept, you know, those unhealthy behaviors. And in reality, you think this is just part of the process. You know, obviously we know it is unhealthy, but I just want to make sure that for one, you know, obviously I respect your parents in this episode. And in addition to that, like just bring some light across the board because I think it's obviously it's not something anybody talks about and it's something we should be able to talk about because all of those incidents that have happened to you as a kid, you know, and all of those issues and speed bumps, you literally worked through and you're here, you know, we're on this podcast. This is, I mean, shit, this is how we met, you know, and it didn't defeat you. It didn't define you. And you were able to receive help from somebody. And it just so happened to be, and you were able to trust that help because you could have easily said, oh, hell no. The minute he shows me a toothbrush, I'm out, yeah. right? So, or yep. whatever, like, what are your intentions? And you were willing to go ahead and be open to something different. And you were able to make that huge shift and change your life. Yeah. So tell me more. So you started working with him. You were able to do all these flagpoles and one-handed push-ups, no-handed push-ups, <laughs> right? <laughs> so you're like doing all of the things. So take me through this process. Okay, so now you're here. Okay, so now I'm here and I'm starting to see the power that comes from asking other people for help. Why didn't and- you give up? I'm sorry, I had to ask this question. Why didn't you give up? Why, what was it that was like, no, I'm I'm going to live. I'm going to go ahead and... I'm going to keep on going. Giving up with kettlebells? Giving up, giving with-, up with life. Give, just being like, well, fuck it, dude. I'm never going to get it together. There's nothing going to be best for me or there's nothing that's going to be out there for me. I'm just going to be in this complete despair. Like, what was it? So you asked that question. What was the feeling that helped you make that transition to, to want more in life mm-hmm. and to fight for it? That's such a good question. I've never been asked that question. I think... I think one of the things is my husband. My husband is a very inspiring man. And I remember when I first met him, I met my husband when I was 19. Yeah, I got married when I was 20. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you're in good company. <laughs> right. Sometimes I say that to people and they're like, you got married. At, you got, you met him that young? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I did. Yeah. It's great. Um, but you know, I remember when I first met him, he, 
he was just so strong. He is so strong and so smart and, you know, making all of his dreams turn into realities by working hard and following a plan. Yeah. And, you know, and getting to be in his company that, that helped me to keep going throughout all of this time leading up to meeting my husband. You know, I really did struggle after the sixth grade making friends. Yeah. You know, and the one thing that I did have throughout that time, I had boyfriends. I had boyfriends, but I would Mm -hmm. never talk about the eating disorder stuff with boyfriends. But I had, I had one boyfriend in high school who also was a very inspiring person, very smart, had really big dreams. And a lot of times I would compare myself to him thinking like, well, I could never, I I could never measure up to you. And Mm -hmm. I always felt like his mom just didn't like me. And eventually like we broke up and I remember when I met my now husband, it was, I, I got to spend time again with somebody who was very inspiring and kind and, you know, sharing, sharing their process. And the cool thing about my husband is the fact that he happened to be in the health and wellness industry. Mm. And it was my husband who started making comments and making comments and calling, why are you eating that? What are you, that's what you're having for dinner. Like he's the one who really started picking up on my food choices. And instead of telling me things like that's a bad choice, he would ask me, well, what are like, what's your goal? Like, how do you want to feel tomorrow? Um, And I remember when I first met him, I was like, I want a six pack, right? Like every, like, yeah every 19 year old, probably not every 19 year old, but in in my reality at the time, I was like, that was every 19 year old. Yeah. Six pack. And he was like, well, Colleen, if you're, you know, eating a a pack of Cheez-Its and Nutella, that's probably not going to get you the six pack. Like if you really are interested in, you know, changing, um, changing yourself from an aesthetic standpoint, you need to be eating protein and you need to be, you know, fueling yourself with different foods to help you with that goal. And that was the first time I was like, oh, there's a specific way I need to be eating to hit a specific goal. Interesting. And in that moment, like I did not get a six pack. I was not working towards the six pack, but I remember that was the first time I started thinking, Maybe there's a better way to go about handling my relationship with food other than starving myself or binging and then purging. And in watching, in watching him in the early time in our relationship, I was like, oh, this is how you eat a balanced meal. This is how you go about things in a healthy way. This is how you eat and then feel energized for the next day. Um, Like the household that I grew up in. Like everything was the diet version or the hundred calorie version. Um, We ate fast food or like my parents would let me eat. There was really no uh, limit to what you could or couldn't eat. Mm -hmm. Um, And growing up, like I wanted to eat, I wanted to eat like 
kind of weird things. When I say weird yeah. things, like I wanted to eat like raw pie dough. I wanted to drink O'Doul's in mm. school. And I remember my mom, like my mom would buy me O'Doul's. And I think in her head, she was like, well, it's not like it's not alcohol. alcohol in it. So mm-hmm. like, it's fine. Why not? It's water. Mm-hmm. There's and water in it. So it was just like, it, there were some weird things that my my situation growing up allowed me to eat. And in spending that time with my my now husband when I was 19, that was like the first time I really started seeing this is this is how you eat in a healthy, in a healthier way. And I think just in observing him, and occasionally he would take me back to his family's house. And I got to see, oh, this is this is different than what I grew up with. This looks a little bit more normal. Yeah. Um, that's how things started to change. And it was just really gradual over time um, for things to change from a food standpoint. But again, back to your question, like what kept me going? I really do believe from 19, from 19 to 25, my husband kept me going and it's evolved since then not to say that my husband isn't my inspiration at this point, yeah of course but there's more that I've I've learned um is a part of me continuing to share what I have to share with other people from my story but he was a really big component for a long period of time I know looking for the right therapist can be challenging However, feeling overwhelmed and disconnected is even harder. Life is filled with several twists and turns, some more severe than others. We do our best to handle them as they come and find ourselves at a loss, not knowing what to do or who to turn to. The clinicians here at Outside the Norm Counseling are here to help. We are here to assist you through this time of need. Together, we will identify your strengths and goals and teach you healthy coping skills. Together, we will develop a plan to help you live the life you want to live. Our team is compassionate, genuine, and we take a great deal of pride in providing an empathetic, non-judgmental approach to all of our clients. It's time you've waited long enough, whether it be for you, your child, or if you're in need of a couple session. We are highly trained clinicians ready to guide you. Schedule an appointment now by calling 951 995-3288. Again, that number is 951-395-3288. We're looking forward to meeting you and being a part of your journey. So most women will ask me like, you know, um, I need to change my husband. I need to change my husband. He needs to do all of these things and, you know, or I need to change. And one thing I often say is change is something that's inspired. Mm-hmm. Like when you're inspired, then you start taking toward, you know, steps towards change. And it sounds like for you, he wasn't trying to change you. He was asking you questions, you know, and then he was being, you know, he was inquiring about, okay, well, what is essentially the goal, you know, and how can I best support you, you know, to get to that goal? And it was essentially you making all of those changes yourself, so using his inspiration to create the change you wanted, at what point did you realize, okay, I'm kind of like, 
I'm ready. How did you start to get into like Guinness Book? How does one Mm. get recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records? (laughs) Like, I mean, that's not like... <laughs> that's not like something you just say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna call them up right now to check me out. Like, <laughs> right? It's not something you do. Okay, so let's see. At this point, so I've been playing with the kettlebells for about two-ish years. Mm-hmm. And maybe closer to three-ish years. Three-ish years, and then 2020 happens. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Mm -hmm. leading up to 2020, I couldn't really take my training super seriously with kettlebells because in the midst of all this, um, I leave the managing job and I realize I actually do like training and teaching. So I go back to being a full-time fitness professional, teaching and training. So in order for me to actually workout. There's not a lot of time in the day. I'm basically a gym gypsy in New York city. So I'm up around four to get on a train, to commute into the city Holy I'm doing, you know, sessions, five thirty, six thirty, seven thirty, eight thirty. take a break. And then we go back in for the afternoon, take a break, go back in for the night. And then I have to commute home. So, um, my priority is making money versus taking taking the time for my training. Mm-hmm. So 2020 happens and I'm stuck at home. And I have the opportunity to take my training a little bit more seriously. So initially I was actually trying to do a different world record. I was going to do the world record for heaviest weight lifted via swing for the hour, not Turkish get-ups. I was going to do swings. And in the midst of all of this, and this is kind of where the surgeries come into play. So I never had any physical therapy after all of these procedures. I have a tremendous amount of scar tissue Mm -hmm. down in that area of my body. And I remember when I first met my husband, (laughs) um, that was really more so, that was really where I started to explore my sexuality. Yeah. And as time went on, I started noticing I was having a lot of pain with sex and I was having a lot of pain if I was training too intensely. And mm-hmm. then once the pandemic hit, that amount of stress also started to aggravate my body. Yep. So I'm training for this swinging record and I get to a point where I'm just like, I, I can't handle this pain that I'm in anymore. I have all this pain in my pelvis. And it's like getting to the point where I'm like, I'm saying, no, I don't want to have sex. Yeah. It hurts too much. Um, To paint the picture, it's like, if I reach an orgasm, I'm going to be hanging out, crying in tears on the bathroom floor for anywhere between 10 to 60 minutes. Ah, damn. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you. So that's tough. It's really tough. You know, so I saw a couple of gynecologists leading up to 2020 because it was, it it was more of like a sporadic thing. Like sometimes it would happen, not always. And, you know, one gynecologist said to me, you know, just have a glass of wine. Like maybe you just need to relax. And another Mm -hmm. one had the audacity to say, just have a baby. 
it's going to change everything up down there. And I'm good. No, I was just like, man, this is not like, this is not the answer. So I kept suffering in silence about that one. I really didn't have anybody to talk to about that. I didn't have any close girlfriends. I, you know, I'm talking to my husband about it, but like, I know he, he doesn't, it's not something you can relate to the same way. And eventually it's getting, it's getting really bad in 2020. I'm just like sitting on the couch and I get attacked with this crazy cramping attack. And I end up finding a pelvic floor rehabilitation center. Oh, wow. Which is so cool. And for anybody who is not familiar what, what that is, like write that down, pelvic floor yeah. rehabilitation center. Um, and I get diagnosed and we don't actually have a name for what I have, but basically the muscles in my pelvic floor were so tight that anything where the muscles would be contracting, be it through, you know, something like exercise or stress or sex, um, everything's getting so tight, causing all of this pain down in the area. So my doctor, what are we going to do? And she was like, yeah, like we got a whole plan for you. It's going to be fine. So I end up going through two months of weekly injections where they take a needle the size of my forearm and they have to inject it down there every week. And I have to meet with a pelvic floor physical therapist where they literally, you know, they put, they put their fingers inside you to massage them. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not a good time. Not a good time. It's definitely not a good time. Um, the person I worked with was so awesome and did everything to make me comfortable, which was great. Um, yeah. especially given how uncomfortable of a situation that is. Um, I mean, I was meeting with this person three times a week for about four months. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, I come I come home and I tell my husband. So this is what the doctor says. And, you know, I'm, I'm a fitness professional at the time running around the city. I don't have a lot of money and insurance doesn't cover this kind of stuff. No. And I'm like, I mean, this is like what I have to do. Like, what do you think? Is it worth it? And I remember my husband, he said to me, you know, Colleen, you, you don't have to do this, but imagine what life could be like if you did. Yeah. You know, there was potential for less, if no random cramping potential for, you know, the ability to train way harder than I ever was allowed to in the past. And, you know, possibility to have a pain-free sex life with my husband Mm -hmm. and, you know, him and I together, we decide I'm going to do it. Let's do it. So I go to the doctor and I say, all right, I'm all in. And the next thing she says is you got to stop lifting kettlebells. And I was like, what the fuck? Shit. Yeah. Hit it. Like you don't have to stop forever, but you have to stop during treatment. And, you know, beginning of 2020, like I'm doing all of this training for this swinging world record. And it's a really big endurance challenge. I'm like, if I take I take six weeks off, I'm going to basically be back to where I started. And I was really, really upset and frustrated about that. So of course, I ended up going through treatment and the beginning of 2021, I, I move away from 
the tri-state area and I move out to Arizona. And, you know, after the new year, I'm just thinking about all the things I, I want to do. And I start thinking back to this record and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if I actually want to go through all this swinging stuff again, but I want to do something. And I want to do something because I want to prove to myself just how strong and capable I am. So me and my coach, we go onto the Guinness website and we see, well, what is there for kettlebells? Like, let's, mm-hmm. let's look at all this stuff. And we notice that there's nothing for the Turkish getup for female. There's a record for the men, for the men, but there's not one for the females. So my coach is like, okay, Colleen, we are going to train for this. You're going to, you're going to set the record. That's what you're going to do. You're going to, you're going to set this record. And I was like, cool. I love it. Like I'll be the first person and that's it. And we'll get an amazing number and this will be amazing. And we do it. And then we're in training mode the week before the week before I'm supposed to do this. I've been training for about like six ish months. Yeah. There's fine print that I get from Guinness and it says, it says something along the lines of you have to perform this exercise with two hands. Um, I'm sorry. You have to perform this exercise with one hand lifting the bell and then one hand bringing it down. But the Turkish get up is an exercise when, when you learn it from hard style, that's the technique that I practice. You lift it with two hands and you bring it down with two hands. So to put in perspective at this point in time, I could pick up over 60 pounds with two hands, but with one hand, I could barely pick up 30 pounds. Yeah. So my whole strategy just like went down and that like made me go back to thinking, well, if my teacher didn't call me a witch, maybe my reading comprehension would have been a little bit For real. I would have only had to do this one time. So anyways, so I do it and I'm a little bummed doing this first attempt because I'm like, if I had known this, I would have trained differently. Totally. So we get the record. We submit it to Guinness. They're like, yep, you're there. So I'm like on their website and I'm, 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 I'm not satisfied. So I tell my coach, now I have to beat my record. I have to do this mm. for me because I need to know that I gave this everything possible. So we go back and we do it again. So the first attempt, I did 122 reps in the hour. And the second time I ended up doing 188 reps within the hour. So that is nonstop up and and down, up and down, up and down. And it was amazing, but also like the worst thing in the world. I remember the additional, so I ended up doing it in, I did the first one around June, July. And then I beat it in December of the same year. My forearms were so bruised. I was like, do I really want to go through with this? But something just said like, yeah, you have to just do it. Like you have to. And I remember being so, so paranoid at the time because I'm training so hard for this. And then I start noticing this other person on social media is posting that she's like doing all these Turkish get-ups and I'm like, nobody else, nobody else like doesn't ask for get-ups. 
Yeah. Like a part of just your thing. Like it's like not, it's not a, a normal Mm-mm. thing. No. And well, I mean, I did it yesterday, but I mean, <laughs> we're not talking about me. <laughs> so I tell my coach, I'm just like, Annie, I think Jackie's going to do this. She was like, no, you're just paranoid. Like just focus on you and like do, do the thing. So I do the thing and I, I break the record. I break, well, I break my record, right? And I'm so proud of myself and I feel so accomplished because I did everything I possibly could. And then my record gets published and a month later, Jackie beats my record. Oh, that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's fine. You know, I wanted to do this because I wanted to prove to my- You wanted to do it to you, for you. Right? Yeah. And I wanted to inspire other women that like- And you did. And look, you did. Yeah. And- but I'll tell you. You're welcome, Jackie. You're welcome. <laughs> but I'll tell you the the real growth that came from this was realizing that yes, I can, but just because I can doesn't mean I have to keep doing it. So what I mean by that is after after it went public that Jackie beat it, I had people up in my DMs on Instagram saying things like, "Well, when will you get your title back?" I one girl, she reached out. She was like, oh, I see Jackie beat you. And now I'm going to train to beat Jackie. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, oh, my gosh, should I do mm-hmm. it? Do I need to do this again? And I'm like, I'm looking down at my forearms, which are still yeah, still tender from everything that happened last fall. And I'm like, just because I can do this, it doesn't mean I have to. Bingo. That was a growth moment for me. And, you know, in, in that moment, yes, I had to, I had to grit through the pain of that hour to achieve what I wanted to achieve. But in receiving those comments, I needed to give myself grace to realize you already did what you set out to accomplish and you don't need to make your whole life about continuing to keep a title or getting it back. One thing I see is you made something that nobody thought was possible, possible. You did. You made literally nobody, nobody tried it. Nobody had tried it. And I doubt it's because nobody knew about it. It's more of nobody tried it because nobody thought they were capable of doing it. And so for that, like, I think for me, I would definitely hold that title near dear to my heart, just knowing that I made it possible. Like I personally made it possible for other women to believe that they are capable of accomplishing this. Yeah, you can go back and, you know, we, you, we you know, I could train and we could beat Jackie's ass and we could beat everybody else's ass. But that's not what the, that wasn't your goal. Your goal wasn't to show like I'm better and bigger than any woman in the world. It was for you i want to i want to do this for me this is for me and i'm going to tell you right now homegirl you you accomplished that mission that is amazing thank you amazing holy moly truly true like just kind of listening to your story um what you have endured and like shit you know literally you have fought you have fought in so many ways shapes and form to go ahead and be here and this is, I'm, I'm like so thankful that I had this opportunity to like meet you and get to know you. Your, your story is, 
them, it's truly inspirational. And I know I've said that word like 50,000 times, but it really is. It really, really is. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on here. Thank you um, so much for sharing that and being so raw, open, and vulnerable. I, I know this will help women. Thank you. Definitely know. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Absolutely. The, the one last thing I want to say to anybody who's listening, yeah. even though it seems like all of the success I've had is because of the kettlebell, like everything that you're going to find online for the most part about me has to do with the kettlebell. Everything has happened the way it has because I accepted help. And then I started asking for more of it instead of closing myself off to other people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. And it's true. We're not okay. And it's okay that we're not okay. And it's so important that we ask for help or if somebody offers it, especially somebody trust, we take it. Exactly. Help is a secret sauce to moving. How can we find you? You can find me on Instagram. My handle is I am Colleen Conlin or my website is www.colleenconlin.com. And then social media? Instagram is I am Colleen Conlon. Awesome. Obviously, we will have that definitely in the show notes. Colleen, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on here. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your story. This was amazing. Thank you for having me. We can all use a little help in our marriage, especially when it comes to communicating. I have created a guide just for you. And guess what? It's 100% free. I will give you practical tips and easy-to-use strategies to apply right now. That's right, right now, today. You all know I'm a huge advocate for you mamas, and I am on a mission to help you experience true connection and stress-free living. Ladies, we are setting our marriages up for success. It starts with you. You will find this freebie here in my show notes or go to empoweredandunapologetic.com forward slash guide. The information I will be providing you is next level and people pay good money to get these tips that I will be giving you for free. Don't forget to share this with a friend who needs it. What's up, ladies? Just want to let you guys know that your ratings and reviews for this podcast are greatly appreciated. If you love this podcast, please go to iTunes right now, write a review, rate the episode, and subscribe. Don't forget to share it with your friends. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020 and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect deep down that glass or three of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. I know. 
I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect, deep down, that glass, or three, of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. I know. I know we've been taught that motherhood requires alcohol. I know we've been taught not to question our relationship with alcohol until we've lost everything. And I know we've been taught that if we do dare to examine our relationship with alcohol, we need to head straight to AA and declare ourselves an alcoholic who is powerless to alcohol forever. But what if all that isn't true? That's definitely not my story. I'm Suzanne, the host of the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm an influencer who stopped drinking in January 2020, and since then, I've been telling the truth about motherhood, influencing, alcohol, and sobriety. If you suspect, deep down, that glass, or three, of wine at night might just be making motherhood harder, well, you're right. Come and join me as I chat with other sober and sober curious moms. Let's laugh, cry, and normalize sobriety together, all while we reheat our coffee for the fourth time today. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there. Hey there, this is Casey McGuire Davidson, host of the Hello Someday podcast. I'm an ex-red wine girl turned life coach who helps busy women change their relationship with alcohol. I spent 20 years climbing the corporate ladder while drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. In the Hello Someday podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. You can find new episodes of the Hello Someday podcast every Thursday, wherever you listen, and I hope you check it out. 
Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.